Well, if you have a Bible this morning, find the book of Colossians. Colossians. That is way to the right side of your Bible. Uh, We're going to be in chapter number three, Colossians chapter three. I want to take a moment and really just welcome those of you who are watching online. Uh, We have people every single week who are tuning in, who are watching uh, Facebook, our website, YouTube, all over the place. And uh, we just thank you. We're excited that you are here uh, with us, even though you're in your pajamas still in bed. You're with us and we love you. All right, there we go. Uh, But today is the second week in a series of messages that we've just titled, Go for the Gold. Go for the Gold. And if you didn't know this, this last weekend was uh, the opening ceremony, Friday, early in the morning, actually, because it's all the way in Tokyo, was the opening ceremonies for the Summer Olympics. And things are in, like, full swing right now. If you didn't know it, you could probably pull it up live on your phone right now. Don't do it, but you could, okay? Uh, And last week, we've been really kind of using this as an an illustration to some of the things that the Apostle Paul wrote, uh, because last week we talked about something he wrote in a letter to a group of Christians in Greece. Greece was obviously home to the Olympics, even during the time of Jesus and during the time of Paul. Every four years they were doing this in Greece, And there was this group of Christians in a number of cities, but specifically, Paul writes a letter to this group of Christians, and he uses the Olympics and athletes, uh, athletics and all that type of stuff to really teach something, to teach these people what it looks like to be a follower uh, of Jesus. And we left last Sunday with this picture of the level of commitment it takes to be an elite Olympic athlete. That's what we looked at, 100% aware all the time that they are training for the Olympics. It impacts what they do, what they eat, how they spend their time, where they go. Olympic athletes carry with them a commitment that is like very few other things in our world. And this is the illustration that Paul uses to say, this is what it should look like for you to be a follower of Jesus. That level of commitment. And we really, like... uh, uh, one second here. I have to find my spot. I'm just kidding. I got lost in my brain is really what happened. But last week we talked about commitment and we talked about in America how that is not necessarily the word that we would use to describe the American Christian. Committed, uh, disciplined, you know, all of those types of things. And we talked about complacency, we talk about, talked about apathy and how it's just kind of creeped into our culture, creeped into churches and, and this apathetic, complacent version of Christianity that is really everywhere with very little commitment. Today, we are going to talk about a second, very unhealthy version of Christianity that we see. The first one is this apathetic version, okay? The second is... Uh, equally as destructive, equally as rampant. The first was marked by complacency. The second is driven by guilt. Guilt, all right? A guilt-driven understanding of what it means to be a Christian and a follower of Jesus. So that's enough of an introduction. Let's begin by reading a passage of scripture. And so stand with me all over this place. We're reading from Colossians, Colossians, which is another letter that Paul wrote. Uh, Chapter... We're going to read chapter number three, starting in verse number one. 
Colossians 3, verses one through four here. It's on the screen behind me. Follow along. Here's what it says. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Let's pray. God, we, man, we just open up our hearts today uh, expectant and asking for you to speak and move and help us, Lord, even as we look at your very word, this beautiful thing that, that you had a part in writing through people, God, uh, I just pray that something so significant would happen. And so, Lord, we just give this time to you. Help me, move me, uh, speak through me, God. We give this to you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen, amen. All right, give somebody a high five and have a seat. Let's go, let's go, let's go. All right, hey. We talked about the Olympics a little bit last week. We talked about all sorts of different things. Uh, well, I know you understand this. There are some Olympic events that are just a little more entertaining than others. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah, okay. Some of you are like super into um, Japanese handball, but you know, most of us are not, uh, okay? Uh, but one of, uh, one of the events for me that I love to watch uh, is the balance beam routine which is the women's gymnastics. It is ridiculous. It is incredible. Um, in fact, let me show you, just kind of as we get into this today, let me show you about a 30-second video of this American Olympic gymnast. Her name is Simone Biles, considered to be the greatest female gymnast of all time. Uh, this is her on the balance beam just a few weeks ago at the Olympic trials. Uh, as she, and, and like she's a clear favorite to win this event. So sh show this video here for me quick. She, is, she was able to pretty much recover as if it was no big deal. Look at this, two back handsprings, two flips, two twists. I mean, not many athletes can even do this on the floor exercise. And she is doing it as a dismount on the balancing at the very end of her routine. So look it's at this incredible. right here. She doesn't grab her legs. She keeps them away from her body. Other gymnasts are grabbing on and pulling, which increases the rotation. That makes it uber difficult. All right, are you with me? That's ridiculous. Anyone agree? Okay. Uh, what's interesting, though, is that this same, this same event, the Olympic trials, she actually fell on um, the, the bar things. What are they called, the bars? Help me out here. The even, uneven bars. They look pretty even to me. I don't know what, one's higher than the other. Got it. All right, see, I know my stuff. Uh, but she, she fell on this, still went on to win. In fact, Simone Biles, if you didn't know this, has not lost a world event, uh, overall, the overall gymnast since 2013. That's crazy, isn't it? Uh, and so it's really cool. But uh, I have this balance being here, and um, <laughs> you're coming up here with me, right? What are you doing? Come on. All right, I put this here, because I couldn't do the little split thing to get up. Now, <laughs> now, all right, you gotta let me talk here while I do this, so no clapping yet. My pants are feeling funny. Um, 
this thing is ridiculous. When I, when I come up here and I stand on this, I cannot believe what she just did. So this thing, this thing is four inches wide, four inches wide, uh, a little over four feet off the ground and 16 feet long. And uh, the first time that I did this earlier this week, I seriously, like, couldn't do it. I was using the wall here to even, I, I mean, I'm at, this is actually much more difficult right now in front of you all than when I was doing it. <laughs> like, my legs are shaking. This is crazy. Uh, but it's, when I, seriously, if you were to get up here the first time after never doing this, there's not a whole lot of us in this place that could actually uh, just walk on this like it was nothing. This, this takes a crazy amount of focus, and if, and if you don't focus on every step you take, all it takes is for me to get like a, a shade off here, and I can't survive. Now, now, understand, the balance beam is not made for people who are over six feet tall and have size 11 plus shoes, okay? Simone Biles, by the way, is four foot eight. That's right here. Whoa! <laughs> this is fun, all right? And so I can make it all the way. Oh, this is so awful. I would have been docked so many points already, but... All right. Okay, we're, we're going to come back to this a little bit later because I want to use this to illustrate something today that Paul's going to say. And, and I think that by the, end of the, by the end of this, for some of us in this place, I believe that this, what we're going to see and what we're going to illustrate and connect some things for you, I, I, I think that for some of us, this is going to be like a moment in your life and in your relationship with God where things kind of click. And so that's really what we're praying for. So we're gonna have some fun, we're gonna make this memorable, but like, I believe what we have here is something that is very important. Are you with me? Okay, um, a few moments ago, like we read this little part of a letter that was written 2,000 years ago by the Apostle Paul. We have it in our Bible. Uh, it's a letter that's, we've, we've called it Colossians, is what we have. Uh, if you've never heard of, about any of this, a man named Paul wrote at least 13 letters that we have in our Bible today. Short little things that he wrote to groups of Christians and that he wrote to individuals, uh, giving instructions and all this type of stuff. And, and this was, travel 2,000 years ago was ridiculously difficult. And so this is the way that they did some of these. In these letters, they have all sorts of instructions on how to live, how to be a church, how to be a like how to respond in a godless culture, all stuff that's super relevant even to us today, okay? Uh, most of these letters, and I'm getting somewhere with this, most of these letters were written to people and places that Paul had actually been to and Paul, that Paul had actually personally met. Colossians is different, this letter that we read. Paul has never been to this place and he's never met these people, okay? Here's the story here really quick. Paul was in a city called Ephesus, which is in, um, on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea in modern-day Turkey. Paul had traveled to Ephesus on a mission. 
his mission was to tell as many people about the story of Jesus and everything that God had done through him, forgiveness of sins, relationship with God. These people had never heard any of this. They do not know who Jesus is. They don't know anything about all of this. Well, a group of people in this city called Ephesus respond to the message of Jesus for the first time. And this church kind of forms. It starts right there in Ephesus, a brand new Jesus-centered church in the place where they had never heard this. Well, it's thought, historians think, that one of the people in Ephesus who was there was actually from about 100 miles away, another city called Colossae. And when Paul left Ephesus, this man named Epaphras, which is, it tells us this in the book of Colossians, in this letter, this man travels back to his hometown in Colossae, and he actually brings the story of Jesus to these people. Now, that's interesting to me. Uh, you know, it's almost like Paul here, and then he's, you could see it begin to spread. Well, here's the story of this letter, because why did Paul write a letter to these people he has never met? Well, Paul ends up in prison, and he's in prison in Rome. And it appears as though Epaphras, this man, visits him while he's in prison. And the thought is that Paul's there and Paul says, hey, how's everything going in Colossae? And, and Epaphras responds to him, well, there's a lot of amazing things happening, but some of the people in this church are kind of wacky. They're, they're like making all sorts of weird mistakes and different things. And he says they've kind of created this weird mixture of Christianity where they took, they took Christianity and they took Judaism, like the Jewish stuff, and then they took a bunch of Greek philosophy and they like mixed it all together to make this weird thing. And this, okay, and so Paul says, well, that's not okay. So Paul sits down and he writes this letter out and he sends it to these people in Colossae. That's where we have Colossians. Uh, and this letter basically just, just kind of straightens some things out for them, okay? So you're with me. This is the story of what we read here. Uh, and with all that in mind, I want to kind of go through a, a nice chunk of scripture here today and just sort of talk it out. This is that letter. This is all that context. Um, and so let's back up a little bit from where we started. We're going to read the last four verses of verse number two. It's going to lead up to what we read together. So here's what he writes to them. We're right in the middle of this letter. He says, you have died with Christ. This is verse 20. And he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world? Such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. What's he talking about here? He's talking about all of these religious rules and rituals that these people had set up that they were doing in their attempt to honor God. Specifically, don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. This is Judaism. If you didn't know, the Jewish religion, they, have, they had all sorts of things that you couldn't eat, you couldn't touch, or you'd become unclean. You had to do these certain things in a certain way and wash your hands in a special ceremonial way. This was Judaism. This was, this was the Jewish uh, people that Jesus was born into, actually. And, and so Paul says, why are you so obsessed with all of the religious rules and rituals and all of these things that you have to do? Rules of the world is actually the phrase that he used. Rules of the world. Okay, now verse number 22. Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise 
because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desire. Now, here's what's interesting, especially with last week. Last week, we talked about commitment, self-denial, bodily discipline. We talked about all of that, and we said, like, Man, as Christians, we need more commitment, more self-denial, more discipline like an Olympic athlete, okay? Paul kind of, this is interesting. We'll come back to this in a moment. Now we get to chapter number three and understand um, in the original letter, there were no chapter breaks. Like the the verses and chapters came way, way years and years, thousands of years later here uh, to help us just navigate through the Bible, if you didn't know that, okay? Okay, and so here we go, verse number one. This is him just continuing on. He says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, okay? You're thinking about all of these rules and all of these rituals and all of this religious stuff. Uh, Stop it, he says, stop it. Set your sights on on heaven, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Now, interesting, he calls rule, religious rules and rituals, he calls things of the earth. Did you catch that? Have you put that together? Verse three, for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Set your sights on heaven because that's what your future holds. You will share this with Jesus. Now, verse five, we're gonna keep going, keep going, and we're gonna bring this all together. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lost and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Put to death all these sinful, earthly things. Again, don't miss the word earthly. If, if you haven't picked up on this, we have this world, earthly, okay? It, that, that phrase is gonna keep coming up and it already has, okay? Worldly things, he said in a different mind. Set your mind on the things of heaven, not earth. Put to death earthly things, have nothing to do with them, Okay, and what are these earthly things? Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil, desires, greed. Okay, so, so far, we've learned that earthly things can be religious things, religious rules and rituals that have been set up, earthly things. Um, Earthly things can also be kind of these sinful kinds of desires that pull us away from God, worshiping the things of this world, okay? Uh, All right, verse number seven, you used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world. Do you hear that? Part of this world. We see it again. World, earth, earthly, worldly. Uh, You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Take off all that worldly stuff, almost like you're taking off of the, the bad clothing in a way. Uh, sinful nature. And verse number 10, instead put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator. Now I'm going to say that line again. As you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, okay? This is, this is not religion at this point, Jew and Gentile. This is like a heritage thing. 
It's, uh, okay. Circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. The idea is it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, all of this. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Now, we're, we could continue. For sake of time, we're just going to stop right there. Take off your old nature, put on your new nature as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Okay, now that's a lot. And some of us are like, I don't even know what in the world we just read. This is all, okay, that's a, that is a, it's a chunk of stuff. And to be honest, we could spend like, we could spend a whole month just talking about what we read right there. But I want to, I want to attempt to illustrate what Paul is writing um, and really kind of help us understand some of this, okay? So, uh, are you ready? No one's ready. Zero people ready. Not even, not even one person is ready. I'm ready. Are you, okay? Uh, all right. So here we go again. Now we're going to use this as an illustration. Are you ready? Is this live for the whole world? to see it is, isn't it, okay? Uh, Gabrielle, get the paramedics on speed dial here for me. Okay, I'm gonna get, whoa. It's, it's so much more difficult in front of people, like my legs shake. They, they don't do that when I'm here all by myself. It's interesting. I can't handle the pressure, okay? Um, so here's, this is the way that I think, that I think a lot of Christians are viewing their relationship with God and Christianity. I'm gonna do kind of a monologue here for us and help us, holy moly. Hopefully I can do this. This is a lot easier on the ground. All right, so I want to serve God. I wanna honor God with my life. All right, this is important to me. This matters to me. I wanna just, I just gotta get to the end. I've just gotta stay on the straight and narrow, one foot in front of the other. I just have to do this. Uh, I've gotta go, I've gotta do the right things. I have to go to church on Sunday. Uh, one more step in front of the other here. I just, uh, I've got to give a little money here and I've got to do, say my prayers and do the right things and, 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 the, and I've, gotta, I've gotta stop doing the bad things. I've gotta stop falling. I've gotta stop doing this stuff that I, this is just what I gotta do. I've gotta, I gotta, I'm just gonna buck down and do it. And I'm just gonna do it. I'm gonna go to church and I'm gonna, all right, and all of that. And, uh, and then now all of a sudden I start to think, but I kinda like that, some of that stuff I used to do. And I really want to go to the lake this week. It's beautiful outside on Sunday. I don't, it's okay if I don't go to church today. And I'm home alone now. It's Saturday night. Got nothing to do. What should I do? Uh, maybe I'll, I'll jump on my computer. There's no one here. Uh, this stuff's not that big a deal, is it? It's not that big a deal. I'm, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do, I'm going to, I'm just I played that up a little. I didn't really fall like that, okay? <laughs> but no, listen to me. But listen to me. I want to continue with this. And then we fall. And we fall. And, and we, go through this, we go through this feeling of like, wow, what, what a failure I am. I can't believe that I, that I made that decision. I can't believe that I did that again. I am a terrible Christian. I'm a terrible person. I can't even do this the way that I'm supposed to. I keep falling. Now that I'm down here, I might as well like, might as well make it worth my while. 
you know, and we, but I, I should probably get back up, but I don't, and then before I know it, it's like, it's been four months and I haven't even been to church. It's been five months and I haven't even opened a Bible. I haven't even prayed. I haven't even done. I really got to get back up on this thing, though I really should. But if I go back to church now, after four months, Pastor Kyle's going to come up to me and say, he's going to say, wow, I've really missed seeing you and I'm going to feel like junk again. I don't even know if I want to go. And we live this life, this Christian life that is driven by guilt, where I, I need to do the right things and I need to avoid the wrong things, and I need to just willpower my way one step at a time, and then we fall, and we fall again. And it, and it feels like I'm such a failure, and we live with this guilt everywhere that we go. We've created this guilt-driven, try-not-to-mess-up version of Christianity, okay, based on this idea that a Christian life looks like this. And this is what it's supposed to be. And we mess up, we feel like junk, we try harder, it doesn't work, and we continue on this cycle of I always mess up, I'm not good enough, I can't do it. And I'm telling you, this version of Christianity is all over the place. And the reality is, for some of us who grew up in different churches and different places, this has been your whole understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus willpowering my way through this, trying to do and be and not trying to do this. And man, and after a while, when we keep falling, listen, listen to me, it's hard. This is hard. And, we, and I feel, it feels like junk. And it almost feels impossible. And like, I'm just gonna throw in the towel. This just isn't for me. I'm here to tell you this though. Listen, that's not how this is supposed to work. It's not how it's supposed to work. And if you can relate to anything that I just said in the past five minutes, I, I want you to be free from that. Yes. Okay? Now, um, let, me show you, let me show you quickly how this is supposed to look. Are you ready? I'm excited for this. Music team, please come as I do this. This week, I had my two little girls in here. And uh, I wanted them to go on the balance beam. And... I, and you know, they're little. I thought, they can do this. They're, they're not big like me. They got little tiny feet. Okay, whatever. And so I get my six-year-old, and, I, and I'm, I'm bringing her up, and I showed her that I could do it, and I didn't fall off and stuff. And, and I have this little stool here, and I'm like, all right, all right, Nora, you got this. You can do it. And she goes, I don't want to do this. <laughs> well, I don't want to do this. This is scary. I can't do this. And she's up on this thing now and she's got her hands like here and she's going, I, don't, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. And I took her hand and I simply said, I'm gonna help you. And I grabbed her hand and when I helped her stand on this thing and I held her hand just like this and all of a sudden when she realized, the moment she realized that I had her, that I wasn't gonna let go, that I was holding her hand this entire time and the whole thing, all of a sudden her face went from fear to utter excitement as she realized this. And we walked the whole thing and she's smiling. And I'm saying, I got you, you're okay. I got you with this, here we go. And, and we get to the end and I turn her around and I was like, should we go back? She's like, yeah, let's go back. And I switch hand and she's going, and she's smiling her face. 
She's going, this is so cool. Ah. You know, she's like, this is so amazing. And she's walking and I'm holding her hand and I'm like, I'm not going to let go. I got you. I got you. And I get her down here and she jumps off and I said, what do you think? And she said, I want to do it again. I want to do it again. Understand this with me. Understand, okay? When, we, when, when she began to realize who was with her the entire time, game changer for her. It changed everything for her. It was no longer about her trying to figure out how to do this all on her own when she didn't feel like she could. It, it was, it, everything changed when she realized I was right there. Now, let me, let, me, let me kind of bring this home. When we begin to realize, when we realize that God is in us, the Holy Spirit of God is inside of us, holding our hand with us, speaking to us, moving, breathing inside of us. When this becomes more than just me trying to do everything I can to honor God, and that, that's religion, by the way. It's a man-made way for us to honor God and try to get to God. When we realize that we are in this beautiful relationship with God, him walking alongside him going then then it changes everything and it becomes more like it becomes more like hey hey i i got you i got you let's do this together let's do this yeah let, keep your eyes all the way on the end keep your eyes on the end here cuz that's what this is really about remember that this is about the end you're you're going to be okay you got this. I know it feels scary. I'm with you this whole... Remember that I'm here with you. Remember that. Just, yeah, just one more little step here. And man, now, now that you're not so worried about falling off and not so worried about trying so hard, let, let's change the world together. Because when, you just, when you're so focused on, can I do this? You don't have time to do anything else and help anybody else and do what God has called us to do. But when you realize, let, let's change the world together. You see that person over there? Let's go talk to them. Let's, they, they need something. See that person over there? Let, go ask if you can pray for them because this will be amazing for them. And by the way, you should take a moment right now and you should pray for your brother because your brother's not doing very well and it's, a, it's kind of a mess. He needs prayer right now. And man, oh, did you hear about that need? You should give and help them. And we're up here saying, man, my life, this is everything. I will gladly do this stuff. And everything begins to change as we realize that God, the Holy Spirit, is inside of us all the time with us. Stop trying to do this all on your own. You can't do it. You will fall over and over again, and you will fill yourself with this guilt-driven mess of a version of Christianity. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of dealing and talking to people who, who just come in here one time after another saying, I can't, I just can't do it. I keep failing. Stop trying to do this on your own and realize that you have a God who will never leave you and never forsake you. For some of us in this place, this, just this simple illustration needs to click in you and change things for you. And if you can relate much more to the first little monologue than the second, I want you to be free from that, free from the guilt-driven, rule-following version of being a Christian. It will not last. You cannot do it on your own. This is not about willpowering our way through this life. 
It is truly this beautiful, life-giving relationship with God, a relationship that is built on communication, that's built on learning to hear the voice of God, the Holy Spirit, as He leads, guides, speaks, helps you. And you know what's cool? When difficult things come, like when you're trying to do this all on your own, then all of a sudden a hurdle comes up, and you're like, I, I couldn't even do this by myself when things were going well, and now this has happened in my life? How am I supposed to deal with What's so cool is when you begin to walk with God, the Holy Spirit, when the things come up in your life, you'll actually see them move you and change things for you and your relationship with God actually gets stronger, as crazy as that is. Instead of falling off the wagon because you got hit with this and you're like, this doesn't really even work, you begin to experience a God who loves you even in the middle of the storm built on this powerful, incredible, beautiful relationship. Now, let me read this to you again. You have died with Christ. Listen to this. He has now set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of this world, the religious rules and rituals that bog people down? Paul writes, Instead, set your sights on the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Put to death all this earthly junk and put on your new nature. Listen to this verse right here. Put on your new nature as you learn to know your creator and become like him. If you miss that part right there, it can just feel like Paul is saying, put off all that junk. No more sexual whatever. No more greed. No more this. And he says... Put on your new nature as you learn to know your creator. Did you hear that? Okay, why are you doing all this guilt-driven religious stuff? Just put on your new nature and learn to know your creator. I want to read this to you. Okay, this is, this is actually the second verse of the song that we just sang here. We didn't go to this. But I, I was just thinking through these words in my head. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire. In darkest night, you are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. I have lived in the goodness of God. We're singing about this relationship, this, this powerful thing between us and God. And for so many of us, maybe even in this place, you know nothing of that. And church for you is about religious stuff. And it's about doing certain things and not doing certain things and trying to stay on this course and do more good than bad and, and honoring God when I can and all this type of stuff. I'm telling you, that's not what this is. It's not what this is. This is what this church in, in Colossae, and the, the, he let, wrote this letter to, this is the, what they had done. They took the beautiful message of Jesus and they intertwined it with all of this religion. And Paul says, knock it off understand what Jesus did for you. It's about learning to know your creator. With no one looking around here for just a moment, we're just about done. How many here in this place would just simply be honest with me and would say, Pastor Kyle, I can relate to what you're talking about with this guilt-driven understanding and version of being a Christian. If that's you, will you just show me your hand? Okay, hand, hands all over this place. God, I pray I pray that we would be free from that today. I pray in the name of Jesus that that would no longer 
uh, grip our hearts, but that we would be uh, so in tune with you, Holy Spirit, and that we would understand, God, that you are right there beside us, helping us, speaking to us, breathing, moving, changing things, God, and that and that that, would, that freedom would help us win the world. God, we, lead, we, we need you. And Lord, I just pray that a healthy understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus would come even from this moment right now. We give you our lives. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would lead us and guide us and that we would learn how to hear you and to know you and that that would be a game changer for us, Lord. We ask all of that in your name. Amen. Amen. One last thing, we just want to give people an opportunity to respond to Jesus uh, for the first time if they've never done that. And maybe you're here and you would say, I, I've never started even this relationship that you're talking about. I'm not, I'm not asking if you go to church or if you've been confirmed or baptized. Have you ever truly had this heart moment with God where you said, yes, yes, yes to Jesus? right now and you have never done that you've never made that decision you can do that right now in fact with no one looking around if i'm talking to you and you want to and you want to make a, a decision to be a follower of jesus today and receive his grace and forgiveness all that stuff uh, and you've never done that before if that's you will you just show me your hand i just want to pray for you here today just in a moment just want to pray for you if you are watching online you can respond as well. Hit a little button in a description or something of wherever you're watching. You can respond. Anyone in this place that would say, that's me. Yes, yes. All right, let's pray together, everyone. Pray this prayer with me. Father God, I give you my life. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Forgive me of my sins and change my life. In your name I pray. Amen, amen. Come on, can we celebrate that together? All right. May you be free. May you be free today from this guilt-driven version of being a follower of Jesus. Guilt-driven version of Christianity. And may you live in such a powerful relationship with the Holy Spirit. All right, amen. Thank you so much for coming today.